up like that. with another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find us over at silverscreenandroll.com or on social at LakersSBN. I am Christian Rivas, and I'm joined by two special guests today, one being the uh, especially special Grant Goldberg, who joins me every week, and the other being Alex Regla, uh, one of the writers here at Silver Screen and Roll. And um Let's start with Alex. Alex, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? I'm doing good, I think. I <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I was really conflicted about how I should feel after that Lakers game yesterday because it was not pretty, like, at, at any point of the game. Even, even when the Lakers came out or went out and got a big lead, uh, they almost blew it, and Staples Center didn't get tacos. It was it was an absolute mess. But uh, uh, Grant, I want I want to hear your thoughts on the game. Well, uh, I, whatever I say now is going to be totally overshadowed because we have Alex on the show. He's way smarter <laughs> than the both of us, and you know whatever we say is just going to be disregarded. No, but it was uh, it was a game, and I think we've had a lot of games, especially in this stretch, that reminded me of last year. Uh, the guys kind of had to find their way kind of midway through the game. They, you know, spend so much time playing down to the level of competition. And, you know, if anything that this stretch has done, it's it, it's kind of worried me for, you know, this is supposed to be a, you know, playoff caliber supporting cast. And obviously when LeBron comes back, Ronda comes back, the team's going to look better. But, you know, if these are the guys that we have to put you know on the floor during the playoffs, now that's gonna worry me if they're if they're struggling this much with the Chicago Bulls. Having said that, uh, how about Lonzo Ball? Because you know, for all the criticism he's received over uh, these first two years of his career, it seems like he's kind of getting it now. We we've seen it click for him in so many areas of the game. Uh, he can do so many things well, but I think last last night's game was one of those games where. It just seemed to all come together for Lonzo. It was he was clicking on all cylinders, and you know I, I was just really impressed by him. Uh, it was easy to look impressed by you know one uh, above average player when you know there's not many on the floor, especially in a game like that. Yeah, and the 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 big thing for Lonzo is being able to balance that scoring. Uh, and all the other intangibles he brings to the table because uh, we we know what we're getting from Lonzo every night on nights he's not scoring. He's somebody that makes uh, basketball plays at a high level. Uh, he, he brings consistent effort on defense. But the scoring is something that that we've been waiting for him to develop because that you we we all know about his jump shot. That's all that was talked about going into the draft is how funky his jump shot is. But uh, Alex, what I'm curious to see is his development as an inside scorer. And we heard Luke Walton talk a little bit about him working with Rajon Rondo. What did you see from him last night that uh, you'd like to see him build on in the games going forward? 
Yeah, I thought yesterday, like last night's game specifically, he like finally started to use his size. Like Lonzo is he's a point guard, but he's like six six. He has really good positional size. But he doesn't really use that like very often. Like we rarely see him in the post or finishing over smaller guys like Chris Dunn. And yesterday we kind of finally started to see that, whether it was a floater or like a little runner. So that that goes really well with his recent like aggressiveness going towards the paint. And I just, it's a really good sign because I know everybody harps back on the, the jump shot being the, the main weakness. But I, in my opinion, I think it's his like interior game, like layups. Like I know you're always marveling whenever he makes a layup. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a good thing. Like we should not be freaking out when he makes a layup. But yeah. It's where we are. But recently, you know, uh, he's been finishing around the rim a lot better. Like it still looks funky, but he's starting to convert these looks that earlier on he just wasn't converting and now he's being aggressive we've seen some dunks in recent games so i just i i really want to see more of him using his positional size and i kind of hope luke said like run some sets for him like outside of the post like we saw one post possession yesterday mm-hmm. and he kind of kicked it out but that was about it uh he almost always has that positional size advantage over his defender so just i want to see him do that a lot more because i think it'll help his his confidence going forward um but Besides that, I thought yesterday was one of his more, like, overall offensive games, like his best offensive games in a while. So it was a good sign. Yeah. How how much of his improvement on offense do you think is going to be uh, attributed to how much Luke Walton trusts him with the ball in his hands? Uh, I mean— Without LeBron, I, I, w- I would prefer him to have the ball more in his hands. I mean, of course, when LeBron gets back, that, that changes. But I, mm-hmm. I, I'm impressed with his pick and roll like plays this year. Like He's doing much better than he did as a rookie. And yesterday we saw that runner like out of a pick and roll. We've seen a couple Minarian shots out of the pick and roll this year. Yeah, I think I, I think he's easily the best guy out of the pick and roll besides LeBron and Ronda we have on the team. Like We've seen what happens when Ingram or Kuzma try to initiate the offense and it, yeah. just, it usually doesn't end well. And I think Lonzo naturally puts guys in better positions. So even if he's not the one who ends up scoring ball, he's going to get the ball to where it needs to be to the guys where they're most comfortable in their natural spots. If it's Kuzma spotting up or Ingram, like attacking downhill, if Lonzo has the ball, he's going to make sure they're doing that opposed to standing in a corner somewhere. And that that's probably the, the biggest gripe. I have with this team right now and it re- really there's nothing anybody can do about it because uh, the the inconsistencies with the lineup l- lineups Luke has put out is because of all the injuries and suspensions and other things uh, this team has had this season. But because of that, I think it's been hard for, you know, Lonzo Ingram, any of those guys to really get accustomed to the role that they're going to have going forward with the team specifically Ingram, because when LeBron James is on the floor, Brandon Ingram is going to be asked to uh, be more of a spot up shooter or a cutter. Uh, Not so much the playmaker he's being asked to be right now by Luke. And I think that is going to hurt his long-term development. Uh, But again, it's not, it's not something, you know, they can control. Luke didn't know LeBron was going to go down, go out with this injury. Uh, and uh, another cause of those injuries or another result, I should say of those injuries, uh, is the, the different starting lineups we've had. And we saw a new one, 
uh, on Tuesday after after the last three games, three or four games, the the starting lineup they rolled out hasn't been that good. So last night we got, or sorry, on Tuesday we got a a lineup of Lonzo Ball, KCP, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Tyson Chandler. And the Chandler move was was pretty puzzling to people uh, because you know it, he's 36 years old. He has he's had some back injuries that he struggled with this year. Uh, but it, I mean, even with that said through the 11 games, the Lakers have played without LeBron James and Rondo. He's had the highest net rating on the team. So uh, he's been solid in his minutes. Uh, Grant, what, what did you think of the starting lineup? Luke rolled out yesterday. Um, I, I thought it was a little weird when I first heard about it, but you know, I thought about it a little bit more and, you know, I thought, you know, it's it's the Bulls. So, you know, no matter what lineup, the Lakers should have the advantage. Uh, they are, I don't know, they, they have these players in Tyson Chandler and KCP who, you know, don't have a, a concrete future with this team. Uh, I'd say JaVale is in a little uh, better positioning for that future role. I mean, Tyson's not far off, but uh, KCP, you don't know where he's going to play even after February. And so... You know, but as long as they're helping the team, I think uh, a lineup change was warranted. I just didn't know what was coming. But, you know, I, I for all intents and purposes, everyone looked bad in that game for a lot of the game. So there's uh there wasn't there wasn't much room for anybody to look a lot better than, you know, any other player. So, you know, I, I thought it was fine. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, nothing to write home about, but nothing to really, really complain about either. Removal from the starting lineup was a no-brainer for me, which kind of, you know, uh, doesn't physically hurt me to say, but it, it's disappointing <laughs> uh, to have to say that because he was so promising in the beginning of the year, uh, particularly next to LeBron James. He just looked like one of those, uh, you know, I don't want to say prototypical LeBron James players, but, you know, just a 3 and D guy, plays hard defense, the type of players LeBron James likes to play with, uh, and he's really... His production has taken a nosedive ever since LeBron has been sidelined. Alex, I know you're a big numbers guy. Um, why do you think that Josh Hart has performed not as well without LeBron James on the floor? Yeah, uh, yeah, I looked into it and because I was curious as well. Because not only Hart but Kuzma, like their shooting numbers are just way down since LeBron got hurt, mm-hmm. and. In, like overall, Josh Hart just getting less wide open looks than he was getting. Like obviously, if you play next to LeBron, you're gonna get good looks. But his like wide open attempts, he's I think he's down five or six percent compared to his what he was getting next to LeBron. Like in terms of frequency. Yeah. And then on like in terms of actually like converting those, I think he's down like almost seven to ten percent, which is really bad. Uh, yeah. I think last time I checked, checked uh, since December, he was under thirty percent on wide open threes. Which, which is like if you have six or more feet from your nearest defender, so these are wide open. He was like at 27 or 28 percent. Um, and with Hart, if he's not, they're not running as much either, so he's not getting that benefit of finishing those layups like he was getting mm, early on yeah. in the season. So if he's not making his threes and he's not finishing in transition, he's like a low key, really bad mid range player. <laughs> like he's really bad in the mid range, uh, like worse than maybe Lonzo is this year. Oh like, no! Yeah. <laughs> um, so if he's not getting his two like highest, most efficient opportunities, um, 
it's it's kind of hard for him to have a positive impact on the offensive end because he's not an initiator. He doesn't really create for others on a regular basis. So next to LeBron, he's not only getting better looks, but the team is running a lot more, especially with Rondo also there. And so he's getting better looks. He's getting shots at the rim and just next, with this offense as is, everything's so crammed and congested in the half court. He just kind of gets stuck with the ball at times and he has to force up a shot off the dribble or something, which is hard for him. So okay. I, I wouldn't be too worried. But So I'm not going to say that I listen to any of that because I love Josh Hart <laughs> so much. So anything you just said, Alex, I'm sorry. It went in one ear, went straight out of the other. Um, so I'll, I'll pick up where you left off. I think Josh Hart is the best young Laker on the – no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's really, really worrying to have Josh Hart – uh, his his uh, mid-range shooting being compared to Lonzo Ball. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you want you want Hart to be compared to Lonzo in the sense that you know he's a good fundamental young piece for the Lakers. Uh, he plays defense. He you know he takes you know threes and he takes shots at the rim. But I I, I don't know. I I think at, there was a saturation point uh, at some point in the year with Lakers Twitter and Josh Hart. Um, by all means, he's a, he's a good player. He's, you know, great for where he, where he was drafted. But I, and I think the same for Kuz is that the expectations were raised significantly. And, and especially after each of them had their own little good stretch of the season. But, you know, we got to remember, you know, these are older guys, uh, compared to, you know, the guys drafted with him in the, in the, in the draft class. And, and so, you know, you wonder, you know, how much more do they have to offer, you know, at their ceiling than they're already offering right now? I mean, they're still young players. They still have a lot to learn, but, you know, you're, you're not going to get that sort of development that you're going to get in another young player. So, you know, I think, you know, it's it's kind of unfair to place really, really big expectations on Hart, on Kuzma, uh, to be these kind of championship pieces, at least right now in their career, because, you know, they, they weren't drafted to be that. They were drafted to be complementary players, Granted, you want them outperforming their role, and, and the Lakers have had a good stretch of uh, a few years drafting guys uh, who are playing better than their draft slot. But I don't know. I think I think we need to pump the brakes on Hart, on Kuzma, and especially in in Hart's case, uh, he's shown that you know there's gonna be a little bit of a plateau, if not a dip in his production. Being said, I think we can all agree that one of the, the guys the Lakers drafted last last summer uh, is going to be a surefire, surefire all-star for years to come. And that I'm, of course, talking about Shpi Mikhailuk, <laughs> who, who was excellent in his limited playing time against the Bulls yesterday. Um, it, but in all seriousness, if Shpi can become a knockdown three-point shooter, and he made you know two of his four attempts yesterday, uh, and it's the most confident I've definitely seen him look all season shooting that. Uh, if he can start hitting those with consistency, uh, I see no reason for him not to be taking uh, any and all of Lance Stevenson's minutes. I, I'm going to interrupt this podcast to bring you a, an interesting development. Michael Beasley traveled to Oklahoma City in a brilliant Kuji sweater. Uh, I thought everyone listening to this podcast should know. Oh, that. dude, you scared me. <laughs> <sighs> Biggest you you terrified season. me. 
I thought Bees was gone because we're we're only a few weeks away from from the the trade deadline. Oh man, dude, my my heart fell to the floor. <laughs> and, and today's uh, um today's my day with the site. Today's the the day I get to run this baby. So that terrified me. I thought I was gonna have to stop this recording for a little bit and uh, write a God Grant. Don't do that it's, again. That was horrifying. Really, really, really good shooter. Uh, Lakers and Luke Walton have really big expectations for him. Uh, and just talking about his shooting, you now Luke even said last night that he thinks Svi can be, you know, an elite shooter in this league. Um, when you watch his shot, you know, it's so aesthetically pleasing, and you know, you think, you know, when it leaves his hands, it's going to be good. But you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm really just, I'm trying to be patient with Svi because. While it was his most NBA ready skill, he is not he wasn't really NBA ready when they drafted him the Lakers. So I, I think, you know, it'll come with time, this elite shooting, but it it's really encouraging to see performances like he had last night. I think he is uh <laughs> I think if he was given the chance he'd lead the Western Conference in all star votes. But that's just me. I I don't have any biases or anything like that. Um the one thing for Shvi, and it, it isn't just him, uh, is I think there are times he might be a little too open. Uh and he, he misses those wide open shots. And Alex talked about, you know, Josh Hart missing those wide open shots. Lonzo Ball, when he's wide open, will pass it out sometimes. And as much as mm-hmm has been made of the Lakers lack of shooting on the roster. I think it's also, um, you know, the, the thing is the, the biggest criticism criticism with Luke Walton is that he has no offense. And I think for the most part, we can come to an agreement on that, that Luke Walton's half court sets need a lot of work because for the most part, uh, they're really elementary sets. Uh, the, and that's a re, it's a large part of the reason their offense grows stagnant in the fourth quarter. But with that being said, I think even the good looks they are getting, they're not making, which just uh, you know speaks to the larger issue at hand that the Lakers are lacking shooting on that roster. Yeah, uh, just to jump in, uh, yeah, like I, I mentioned yesterday on Twitter, like the team, you know, the kind of thing about the team and the roster construction is that they don't have shooters or they didn't address that in the summer. Uh, you know, last season, the Lakers had two guys like near 40% with Kuzma and Hart from three. So I'm sure the front office was kind of baking on that in-house development, especially next to LeBron. Mm-hmm. But um, so if you're not getting free agents who are shooters and your rookie and your young guys are taking like steps backwards, like everyone but Lonzo of the young core is taking a step back in terms of three point percentage, mm-hmm. which is it, that's not the narrative. You know, usually Lonzo's the the guy people point to towards his shooting, but he's the only one of the young core has actually upped his percentage since last year. Yeah, like Kuzma is significantly down. Hart like has taken about really five bad. or six. Yeah, yeah. And Ingram take has taken a step back, and he's taking less threes. Like it's just like a combination of both yeah. with him. So that kind of makes the, exaggerates the issue where they don't have shooting around them. Their young guys didn't take that step up in terms of at least meeting what they had last year in terms of like their their percentages. So when you have both of those things and kind of like a stagnant offense, like you said, just elementary pick and roll 
or an ISO, like it's it's really congested in the half court and really easily to like to defend. So what what is the solution to that? Because we've seen, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't want to call them couch coaches or Twitter GMs. Uh, both things I've been called on Twitter and via hate mail uh, At least before. Address but... me by my name. <laughs> <laughs> the the what what is the solution? to the Lakers lack of shooting? Is it uh, the the units they put together? Is it is it them not utilizing their players correctly? Uh, or is it just the players they have on the roster in general? Oh, man, it's gotta be like all like all of the above. <laughs> like uh, like like you, even the best offensive system, like if if you have the Spurs system or the Warrior system, if the guys are just not good shooters there's not much you could like you can probably raise their percentages a bit just by getting the better looks on a more frequent basis to get a better better rhythm so when they do get a wide open look they're not kind of in shock and like oh well I'm open like let me shoot this mm-hmm. but so that that definitely would help but also just having guys who are uh, established shooters i mean if you're relying on your young guys like i mentioned earlier with Hart and Kuzma and in Kuzma's case kind of turned into a shooter overnight when he came into the NBA. He wasn't a great shooter in Utah, mm-hmm. like when he was there as a, a freshman or a junior. So you need the combination of a good scheme, good shooters, like obviously, and then having a guy like LeBron who could draw, has so much gravity, he can draw those extra defenders and get better looks just with him being on the court by himself. So that's what the team is lacking. They, they have these playmakers on their team, but they're not really utilizing these playmakers to make plays. Like they have... They got Lance Stevenson. Rondo's obviously out. They have Lonzo. But Lonzo doesn't really run the offense. Yeah. Like, so it's they're kind of misusing the playmakers they brought in, and they didn't get shooters. So it's like they're kind of failing on both fronts, I think. This is all very that, encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> that, that um, the lack of shooting in the offseason was rooted in the idea that um, you know, they didn't want just shooters because Maddox Johnson's rationale was we saw what just shooters do in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, that the Houston Rockets had shooters and they didn't win. Uh, they, uh, I mean, to be they fair, they close. almost, yeah, they went, they almost won that series with just shooters. Uh, but that was the logic. And I think what we heard a little bit from Rajon Rondo yesterday kind of downplayed the whole, um, the notion that the Lakers don't have enough plays drawn up. And he said, you know, it, it's not so much about drawing plays because, you know, if, if you have a ton of plays, you become an easy team to scout. We just want guys playing the right way. We want the ball moving, which is great in theory. And I think we saw it at its peak right before Rondo and LeBron got hurt. We get, we saw, you know, a, a fluid offense, guys getting out and running. Uh, it looked good. But when you have that, huge fall off between, you know, uh, if, if you look at the roster and guys that can make high basketball IQ plays and guys that you trust making the the right plays, you have LeBron, Rondo, and Lonzo. And then you have a very big gap. And I don't know who that, you know, fourth guy is. And I think that's what the Lakers are struggling with. Uh, the, the type of system they want to play can't thrive without LeBron James. Um, and Luke Walton's getting a lot of fallback for that. He's getting a lot of flack for for trying to win with a roster that wasn't designed to to win with 
the style that Magic Johnson and the coaching staff wants to play. Grant, what are your thoughts on the criticism Luke's gotten since LeBron James went out? Uh, I think, I mean, it's some of it's fair, some of it's not fair. Um, I, I think it's it's a little unfair for people to expect this team to to make a full change overnight or over the off season basically into a, a playoff squad and, and I, 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 I said it earlier in the in the podcast that you know this is still a young team that's still very similar to the team that we had last year it's just you know they added LeBron and a couple of veterans uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of the same mistakes they're gonna make mistakes the young players um, but it, it, it is up to Luke to correct these you know they're around LeBron in practice around Rondo they're they're trying to break these habits so you know as much as Luke is getting criticism criticism for it I mean we've we've heard John Ireland talk about it we've heard you know a lot of people talk about it that you know Luke for you know all the criticism criticism he's gotten he's been working his ass off like he's been in the film room he's been on the practice Mm -hmm. court uh, and he's, you know, he's trying at least, and and that's and that's more than you know Byron Scott did. I mean, Byron Scott crossed his <laughs> arms and and made guys run the whole practice, <laughs> literally run the whole practice. And so oh. I, I think with Luke, you know, you get a a style of coach that isn't gonna be the the complete X and O's guy, but players are gonna respect him. They're gonna connect with him, and so I think what Luke and I think what he expects every night is is for the team to give effort like they they respect Luke Walton. Like there's a mutual relationship and, you know, he expects, you know, they're I'm going to quote Deadpool, but a maximum effort out of them. <laughs> and, you know, and so that's why a lot of the times we don't we don't hear him say, oh, well, we didn't execute play you know X and, or play O. It's, you know guys didn't compete tonight or you know guys just you know missed shots because he expects you know at the bare minimum effort and so i'd say where he can have his faults is the x's and o's uh i mean you can't fault the guys for not making open shots so or you can't fault him for the guys not making open shots so you know i i think you know while some of it's fair a lot of a lot of the criticism uh comes from you know just a place of impatience among lakers fans well, would you agree with that assessment, Alec? Yeah, I, definitely. Like, uh, and we're not totally sure who's calling the actual plays. Like, I think that's an issue too with mm-hmm. Lakers Twitter. Like, sometimes the fault is just directly like sent to Luke because he is the head coach, but we don't know exactly where the play calling is coming from. Who did the scouting reports? So it's some, sometimes the fault is kind of misdirected. Can I, and, can I interrupt you for a second? Go for it. What if it's Jesse Mermis calling the plays and the guy's just like? Totally don't know if he's joking or not. He's like, "All right, dude. Like this play is like so wild. You're gonna cut to the rim. There's gonna be uh, a flare, dude. Like you would love this play. It is so great. I feel <laughs> like word is involved somehow. And... I feel like Jesse. A lot of Jesse's plays are just like, man, I can't draw plays for you. You got to draw plays." For yourself and want it for yourself, man. Because like, dude, this... go bear. Like you gotta watch out for him and drop coverage. Like <laughs> this is a no, super... I don't even think it's that. I don't think there's any X's and O's involved. I think it's just him, like you know, like man, basketball speaks to you from inside. Like that's something that can't be taught. You just gotta 
be the ball, man. The and that's why the Lakers' offense looks the way it does. This is, this is <laughs> the last thing I'm going to take away from Alex's, Alex's part because I really rudely interrupted him. How much <laughs> of the time is Jesse Mermis high and thinking about life and basketball <laughs> metaphors? I don't know. I, I, I can't speak to that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if uh, – if if it wasn't just Jesse and the coaching staff doing that, but Alex, it, like like we said, we did we did interrupt you. You can continue your assessment of uh, of the offense. <laughs> I don't know how to follow up that. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, like the injuries obviously hurt. Like it's hard to run a system that was built on a team that was going to be led by LeBron James and take that away and then kind of makeshift a new offense around that. Like, I guess they're using Brandon Ingram mostly in that type of role, and it's just not working because that's not his, that's not his game. He's never really been a good pick-and-roll player and, you know, just not to go into like the minutia of the numbers, but he's just not good at pick-and-roll ball handler skills. Like, his points per possession are really bad. It's, like, his lowest, and it's the most frequent play type, which mm. is really frustrating, I think, with a lot of uh. people kind of dig into the analytics. It's like, you see someone is so bad at something, but then you have them do it the most, Mm-hmm. kind of there there's a disconnect there Wh- what's going on like why is that's i think that's the biggest issue that and then coupled with people you know clamoring for a shooting coach and then an analytics department it's just when <laughs> with the lakers this year it's like whenever they lose they it's it's more extreme than i think in like a really long time and i think uh people are just finding looking for ways to improve the team overnight and if they got a shooting coach overnight i don't really think it makes a huge difference honestly in the percentages now yeah like from here on out like it's i think it's too late into the season and they're just not good shooters like I, even the best shooting coaches are going to fix uh the worst free, th- free throw shooting team in the league like i don't know how much that that fixes things uh i'm not sure if a new offensive co- uh, coordinator as a coach is going to fix things right now like yeah especially midway through the season exactly i mean like, yeah and especially with the team with lebron like uh, when lebron comes back we know what's going to the system isn't going to change that much. Just that LeBron's going to have his the ball in his hands, opposed to Kuzma or, or Ingram at the top of the key, which is going to yield better results. And uh, I, at this point, like it's hard to really criticize anyone. Like we can argue that Luke Walton doesn't stagger his guys enough. Like that's mm-hmm. a, I think that's a good. I think that's a good place to critique him. Like maybe Absolutely. he doesn't. So like those basic coaching in-game decisions, I think that's where you can definitely critique Luke. But like for uh, cause, like throwing blame his way for the roster that he didn't build, uh, I think that's a little misguided. The the thing for Luke with me because I I agree uh, with everything you said. The the thing that I like about Luke and I think what he doesn't get enough credit for is just the way he's handled the team since he took over. Uh, I mean, from an on the court standpoint, you can look at their defensive improvement. Uh, I mean, it's been night and day from the Byron era to the, you know, the Luke Walton era, despite Byron arguably having a better uh, defensive personnel. I mean, he had had guys like, uh, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, was, was Ed Davis, the Byron Scott era, right? Yeah. Yeah, Right. Uh, I think, I think he might've been end of MDA. He, he, um, there was the point is the roster that the Lakers have, especially this year, wasn't supposed to be a good defensive roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year with a bunch of first and second year players, that team was not supposed to be a good defensive roster, but mm-hmm. they were. 
And you hear the guys in the locker room talk about how Luke has made it so easy for them to play team defense that they just get it. Luke, Luke helps them get it. And one, I, I, I don't think that can be taken away. And that's the way they're winning games this season. Mm -hmm. So I think Luke deserves a ton of credit there. Beyond that, I think it's pretty remarkable the way he's kept the locker room together in spite of all the adversity they face this season. Because, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier, they had they're having health issues currently. They had the suspensions in the beginning of the year. This team really hasn't had a flow all season. And yet on some nights, they look like a coherent roster, even without LeBron James. And I, you know, I, I think Luke deserves some criticism. I just don't think he deserves as much criticism as he's been getting. Uh, and, you know, the reports we're hearing out of the locker room is that the front office agrees um, that not all of the blame should be falling on Luke. They like the effort he's been showing. Uh, and, you know, this, this could all just be, you know, um, you know, the Smoke stuff screen. to, to yeah, to fill to fill the space until they until the end of the season comes and they can find their guy. Which, with what we've heard, is either Jason Kidd or Mark Jackson. Those are the two oh, names no. that have been thrown out so far. So, um, I think all the things Luke brings to the table, you'd rather have uh, than than anything Mark Jackson or Jason Kidd can bring to the table. And that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, and and here's where I find a little bit of an issue with. The Luke, with Luke and the criticism, I think that it's unfair to Luke that th people are just discounting him as a coach and criticizing him as a whole coach. I mean, not just certain aspects of this game, but you know, calling for him to be fired. And I also think you know, it's it's kind of unfair that people are saying that he doesn't deserve any criticism because any coach, uh, I mean, you can talk about Steve Kerr deserves criticism. Any coach. Uh, should be criticized because you don't want to give a guy absolute power and and so yeah I, I think that you know there's where we need to be at this point where Luke is still a young coach he's still finding his way but he needs to be held accountable and I think you know a lot of uh, I mean good I'm, I'm gonna say good Laker fans uh, have you know kind of found a balance because I, I think it, it's it's unfair to you know call for his job but I don't think he's Teflon either we're going to end the show like we do every week with predictions for the upcoming games. And uh, Grant, we did not do well last week, like at all. I think I had them going three and oh, you had them going two and one uh, and they did not do that. So uh, let's hope we have better luck this week starting Thursday in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. That's a tough game to win even with LeBron James, uh, and the Oklahoma City Thunder aren't even at full strength. So, uh, Grant, let's start with you, and then we'll get Alex's thoughts on Thursday's game. It's going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> ooh, buddy. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard not to say the Lakers are going to get blown out. Um I, I don't I just don't see a team that competes the way they've competed over the last few games going you know blow for blow with you know one of the best defensive teams in the NBA going blow for blow with a team that has a couple superstars and, and a couple really good supporting players on the team and so you know I, I think this is it has all the things it it has all the ingredients for a Lakers blowout. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with Grant. It's going to be a tough one. Like, the Thunder have the combination of having a top three defense in the league, which going up against one of the worst offenses that the Lakers have right now, that's a bad combination. And then having going up against Paul George again, he's already shown that he's got, like, a little personal vendetta against the Lakers and wants to show him up every time he plays them. So I, it's going to be a tough one. Even though the Lakers did play him hard their first matchup, and uh, if it wasn't for a Kuzma injury, he might have won that game. But, uh, yeah, I, I probably predict a loss on the road. Saturday in Houston against the Rockets. I think that's – I mean, they, they lost to the Rockets even with LeBron James this season. And the Houston – the Rockets weren't playing their best basketball. Uh, but uh, the Rockets don't have Clint Capella. And even with James Harden playing out of his mind, I feel more confident about this game than I, than I do the Thunder game. Uh, James Harden dropped 70. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't. I. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna chalk it up as a loss. Uh, the Lakers have looked bad. They're gonna continue to look bad against the one, the, one of the better teams in, in the in the West right now. Yeah, I think the Lakers might steal this one because they usually somehow play well against the Rockets. I know they've lost both matchups, but they're usually really, really close. Uh, without the Clint Capella, I, I I think they might have a chance to steal one. So I think that's that's where they take one right there against Houston. I agree, Alex. Uh, and then Monday, which is the last game they play until we meet again uh, next Wednesday, which is when we record the shows. Um, Lakers versus Warriors. This is one a lot of people have circled on their calendar, not only because it's the Warriors, uh, but because it's the Marcus Cousins is expected to play in the game for, I think, what will end up being his second game of the season. Uh, I Unless DeMarcus Cousins just comes in and completely botches any chemistry the, the Warriors had going, or any semblance of chemistry, I, could, I should say, because I mean, <laughs> judging by those, those comments from David West last season, uh, it, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot there. But uh, Warriors, Lakers... What are your thoughts, guys? I'll go. Um, I think the Lakers win this one. I'll go ahead and say the Lakers steal. I mean, they already won their annual game against the Warriors, but uh, this is you know fully the the young Lakers going up against them. So I think that they they get they get their uh, annual win against this Golden State team. I could be very wrong. I probably am, but. I'll Probably. say the lone win they get out of these <laughs> out of this three game stretch is against the Warriors. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see them winning this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, even if for some you know even if Rondo is somehow available or I don't know LeBron miraculously shows up, I just I think the Warriors would be really you know upset about losing on Christmas Day the way they lost, and I think they're just going to kind of I'm a little nervous about this one being a blowout. So yeah, I don't think the Lakers are winning this one. Yeah, that's something we didn't talk about is the fact that LeBron James is never coming back, like <laughs> ever. I think he's just going to let the, the Lakers tank for a top three pick uh, in hopes that they can trade it for AD. Um, but uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, is, is there anything you'd like to plug other than the the great work you do at silverscreenandroll.com? where you can find all of our work except Grant, because uh, as we know, Grant can't read or write. Um, and all he can do is tweet in uh, 240 characters or less. Hey, I, 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 at least you're honest about it. <laughs> we try to be transparent on the show. 
Uh, no, all my work can be found there. And then uh, Twitter, Alex M. Regla, and pretty much there. Basketball Index as well. You know what frustrates me is that Alex is a baby to Twitter. I think he just made a Twitter like last year. Last year. He has October. more followers. <laughs> Yeah, and he has more followers than me and, like, has had more followers than me for a while. So I'm a little salty about that, but, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense because the thing I like about Alex is that he he writes all the stuff I'm not smart enough to write about yet. I think I'll get there one day, but your threads and the things you write, I'm just like, oh, man, I thought about that, but I'm not smart enough to write about it. So uh, it's a good thing we do have you because I don't think anybody else on the site is – uh, no offense to our staff, uh, Harrison, Anthony, all those guys. Sabrina, who we had on the show earlier this season, and is uh, is a friend of our pod. Uh, Alex, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Christian, uh, and Grant is with us every week. Um, if you liked our show, leave a review. You know, say something nice about our show. Uh, and call, if you don't like our again. show... <laughs> yeah, we we did. We we asked people to call us handsome in the in the iTunes comment section, and they absolutely did. So shout out, nice. shout out to that one person. Uh, and if you don't like our show, I don't know wh- why you get to this set part of our show. Uh, but uh, either way, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.